Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the show. I want to start by thanking you for checking out today's episode. Now, whether you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you grab your audio content, or you're watching this on YouTube, I want to encourage you to click subscribe. That way you never miss any episode. If you watch on YouTube, I want you to know that right now, just the Monday episodes will premiere on YouTube. The other two episodes on Wednesday and Friday go to our audio-only audiences. So make sure you click subscribe on those places as well. Now, at the beginning of this episode, I want to encourage you to check out The Herd. The Herd is essentially a one-year subscription to The Pursuit of Manliness. It's a community built without community. It's a group of men who say, I want to support the ministry, but I also want to get some things in return. It's built without Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all those things. These are guys who essentially are supporting the ministry all across the globe. The Herd is a one-year subscription that begins whenever you register. There's no Bible study. There's no reading plan. Essentially, when you sign up for The Herd, you will get The Herd camo hat that I'm wearing right here. You're going to get a Herd PVC patch, decal, pin. You get a sample of Armored Nation coffee. You get a sample of Dark Water Wood beard oil. Both of those men are sponsors of the podcast and you get a little bit more. It's essentially a way of saying, hey, I want to give you something in exchange for your support of this ministry. In addition, you're going to get bonus podcast content just about every week sent directly to your email. We also have a quarterly Zoom call where the men in the herd all get together. Most of these guys don't know each other or they don't know each other or in the herd. We get together and we talk about a specific topic or conversation. So guys, I would encourage you to check out the herd. It's not a Bible study. There's no reading plan. Um, it's just men who want to support the ministry and get some things in return. It's time for today's conversation. God, I thank you for these men. I thank you for the opportunity for us to connect through technology. And God, we as we we're talking uh, when this will go live, uh, we'll be in in that January time frame where, boy, guys can really struggle. We get a little cabin fever. We get isolated. Um, schedules are different. The weather is certainly different. However, uh, this is not a seasonal thing that we're going to talk about. God, we know that when we walk with you, we never walk alone. We know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. However, the enemy of our soul really works overtime to to really... Uh, divide us and defeat us. And certainly um, we have a lot of men who have this, this kind of lone wolf mentality. And I pray for what we're going to talk about, that it would meet them right where they're at, whether they're in their vehicles, maybe they're sitting in their garage, doesn't matter. Meet them right where they're at and at least stir something in their heart to uh, consider uh, what we're about to talk about. So in Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, man, at this time, I want to welcome George Stanky and Rob Jackson to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Men, thank you for being on the show. Our pleasure. Absolutely. Man, getting one guest is great. Getting two, that's, that's even better. That's two for the price of one. That's that's. Um, and would you guys just take a moment and just introduce yourselves who you are before we get into today's conversation? Okay, I see the pointing there. Yeah, I'd be happy to. My name is Rob Jackson, uh, living in the greater Orlando, Florida area. Um, God saved me by grace when I was about eight, but I don't think I grew a lick until I was 35. And so I've been playing catch up ever since. Um, consider myself in recovery from several different things. Uh, one of those being anxiety and another being depression. And so our topic today on loneliness is something that I'm familiar with. 
uh, married 35 years this Christmas Eve, uh, two grown kids, a sweet daughter-in-law, and two grandchildren. Uh, George will tell you about his tribe. He's got a huge group. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, I've been with Focus on the Family about four years now. And boy, they are my family. So grateful to represent them and to be here with you, Jared. Mm -hmm. Well, Jared, I've been married for 47 years, five adult children, 16 grandkids. Came to know the Lord uh, just right out of high school. Have been in ministry now a little over 40 years and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember as a new Christian, I experienced great loneliness because when I became a Christian, all of my friends left me. I didn't want to do the drugs, do the alcohol, sleep around. And all of a sudden, it's like, they don't want anything to do with me. And I remember one time just complaining to God. And he spoke to me so clearly. He said, George, if you want friends, learn to be friendly. And that started my transformation in developing friendship and learning how to have healthy relationships. Man, that is good. I, you know, as we're having this conversation, we're talking about loneliness in men. I think in the last couple of years, it's just been magnified. I think it's went to a whole different level. Um, but you guys have been working on this a lot longer than the last couple of years. So in, in your in your world and your research, your study, your the people that you counsel, uh, let's let's begin to unpack this. How, how do we get how do men find themselves in this situation where they are isolated and lonely? I think some of the some of the things are. Um, I mean, like myself, when I became a Christian, I'm in a completely different worldview, and so I'm being rejected by guys that I've walked with for years. But um, a lot of it is guys can get so focused on attaining stuff. You know, I, I, I want to go to college. I need to get a good job. You know, I've got to improve my golf. They get so focused on activity that they lose relationship and find themselves isolated. Yeah, and you know, I would add to that. I think that I recall a colleague once saying, we've forgotten what it means to be a human being. And so created in the image of God, we're created for relationships. And yet in our culture, our Western culture, uh, I still love a good John Wayne movie. Absolutely. But I don't want to pattern my life after John Wayne. And I think we've come to a place to where there's been this slow burn happening for decades where men are just being burned down in the culture, sometimes burned down in their marriages and their families and not feeling like their life has much purpose and certainly not having a sense of joy, you know, looking at circumstances, my circumstances aren't what I want them to be. So I'm not really happy with my circumstances. Therefore I'm not, I'm not okay. As opposed to looking vertically, I have a God who absolutely adores me. I only have to look to the cross to understand that I have meaning and uh, I can be content with him because he's forever, even when I'm not happy with my circumstances. And, and I think there's that's the the truth. I find this in men that we have a lot more scars and brokenness that we're we're willing to admit. Absolutely. You know, I was looking at Romans eight fifteen today. I just wrote that down in my journal this morning. We can crowd Abba Father. Sometimes there's a dad issue. Sometimes there's a family issue. Sometimes there's something, and we almost create this uh, defense mechanism that we keep people at a, at a distance. 
um, we either don't trust them or we just think I'm not, it's not willing to exert the energy in this. And this can happen in our marriages as well. You, you can be married for you know a couple of decades and not really know your spouse or attend a church, whatever. Um, how, how do we help men start to get beyond that? The, the reality is we all, we all have insecurities. And, and to get to the point where you got to put yourself out there to have to have any kind of type of friendship or relationship with anyone. Well, I think one of the things is that men struggle with fear. If you really do know me, you will not like me. It goes back to what Rob said about um, having our relationship tied to that which is eternal, which is Christ. Because when our self-identity, when our self-esteem is tied to anything at all that can change, and change will always happen, now we find ourselves less than, we're not good enough, we don't measure up. And I want to be liked. I want people to think well of me. So I'm going to put on my facade and allow you to see what you want to see so that I can be accepted but I'm not going to allow you to see the true me because if you do, then I'll feel rejected and I'll be even lonelier still. Yeah, it is that core identity issue that you're both pointing to. If we can cry, Abba, Father, then our identity is in Christ. Mm -hmm. We see ourselves as sons of God, a really noble race, if I can put it that way. But if we're not conscious of who we are, then how is life going to work? And I mentioned how I had hardly grown at all until I was about 35 and maybe a couple of decades in the faith. And part of it was I didn't know how to cooperate with God. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up hearing that obedience is important and I had a real sense of moralism and I could be legalistic with the best of them. But as far as cooperating with God, knowing that I am a spirit with mind and body, and I live in relationship with other people. I mean, it's so simple now, but I didn't know that until I was about my mid-30s. Mm -hmm. that, that's a powerful statement, how to cooperate. cooperate never mind. You know what? He said it better than I will. Um, cooperate with God. I think there's a, we can, again, there, there, there can be that, that father brokenness. You can look at God as this legalistic, you know, heavy-handed or someone who's distant, but to see that he does desire a relationship with us. I, I found working with guys, there are guys who can still talk about their little league teams that they played a part of or their high school soccer team or the fraternity they were in in college or the military, you know, the the, the, the core group they were with, the units and things that they went through and whatever. And th then you get married and then you have kids and, and then these guys have no relationships. And so the, I think they, you know, the idea is, well, I'll pick them up when I hit about 70, I'll sit at a fast food place, drink coffee on Friday mornings and we'll catch up. We're missing about a four decade window here where relationships can make us better men. H how do we find the margin when we're trying to juggle life and all the expectations put on us? You have to be determined. I've been meeting with uh, four guys every Friday morning at six o'clock for years. And of course I, I lead the group. So I have to set the standard for transparency. And again, being real with men is risky because of that fear factor. But man, I tell you the joy that we have, it goes back to what Rob said a little earlier, just the importance of joy. We function best in community because we were created in the image of God. He's all about community. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Spirit. 
and we legitimately do life together. One of the guys ended up having an affair. We didn't kick him out of the group. We walked with him for two years. He is still married, doing better than he ever has. Another one of the guys just went into some real clinical depression, became suicidal. We didn't kick him out of the group. We walked with him, stood with him. We've prayed for our kids that have been busted in school for having drugs and fighting. And just, I mean, we are legitimately honest with each other, carrying one another's burdens. And we are better because of that. Well, that's bravery. That doesn't just happen. You have to be really intentional. But I'm thinking about the guy out there who's where I have been on different occasions thinking, I don't have a single guy that I could call and say, let's go get a, a burger together. You know, mm -hmm. let's go grab a cup of coffee. I have been there at times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I sometimes sit with my men and say, look, you need about three or four guys. I mean, mm -hmm. you can deceive one, you can confuse two, but if you have three or four, they're going to eventually catch up with you. And you just see like a deer caught in the headlights. Three or four. I haven't had that since high school. And so I always say, start where you are, you know, find the one. But mm -hmm. it is a crying shame that this is more the norm than the exception. It is the norm. And I, and I think we've we've bought into the illusion of the lone wolf mentality. You know, I know my wife has called that out on me. I have those tendencies quite a bit. We're, we have a lot of introverted people. Um, I think, you know, our devices can can you know lend itself very well that I, we we do a lot of online community a lot of things of that nature there's a razor thin line between having community online and, and having nobody you, and, and I, we've talked you can be in a crowded room of people and not really know anybody so mm -hmm. there there's an there's an element of vulnerability and every man they don't want to be vulnerable but you're going to have to do it you're going to have to place yourselves uh, where do you tell guys to to consider going to to start to find relationships that will make them better, building better men and better marriages, better parenting. Where, where, where could they, where's some places they could go? We're not going to the bars, I would assume. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the guys that I walk with, I found in church. But when I first, I mean, again, going back to what you said, Rob, being intentional and just finding the one, and then that one know someone else is like, can, can we go ahead and bring Matt into the group? Well, yeah, we can bring Matt into the group, you know, but I've also been intentional with my sons. My sons and I have walked together in community very deeply since they were about 14. And when I need prayer, when I need um, just some comfort, I am very comfortable in calling either one of my adult boys and we share honestly, we share deeply, um, and we've done that for many, many years. So maybe that person you need to walk with is closer than what you actually think. That's interesting. Late last night, I got a text from my daughter's boyfriend. She's 17. I think he's 17. I, and he was saying God put me on his heart to pray for. I thought, no, I'm praying for you. That's how this relationship's going until... Until there's a, an exchange rate here, you know, but, but that's a good point. Maybe these people are close when we realize, I, I think there's two major aspects that we're missing in our culture. And we hit on these all the time. One is a rite of passage. 
And I think we've lost that. Men are so consumed with either achieving things or or becoming better men or better whatever they are that we forget there's a generation we could pour into. And so I think as we step into manhood, we're not really sure what that looks like. So it must be working. It must be supporting your sports team or whatever, you know, getting a deer, whatever it is. If we do that, like what you just said there, you're pouring into your sons, you've cultivated a relationship that will hopefully go with you the rest of your life. What, what about the guy who, who is, who's failed on that? Who's maybe he spent a couple decades and he's realizing, shoot, they're out of the house. How could he start to make that a friendship? Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be a lot of transparency, you know, saying, son, I, man, I have some awareness of how imperfect I've been. If there's something that you need to apologize for, get out in front of that, you know, and not, you know, if I offended you, no, son, I remember when I hurt you, Mm -hmm. you know, I I still have a memory of when I hurt my son, Robert. And to this day, I think I'd swap my right arm if I could take it back in spite of the fact that he has forgiven me. And I know that God has forgiven me. And I think I've forgiven myself. But it's just really, you know, when I hear George talking about the relationship he has with his son, I think most men are going to say, oh, my word, I wish I had that. And you have to be safe. And so I know George to be that kind of man. But one of the goals that the Lord has given me for my family, from my wife on down to my 18-month-old grandson, I want to be a place of rest. I want to be a place of rest for them wherever they are, whatever they come with. And when we look back and think, you know, when my son was 14, my temperament, my anger, my depression, whatever, those were distractions from relating well. So we are not perfect. And I know George wasn't implying that, but none of us are perfect with our kids. And one of the cool things about walking with the Lord is they get to see us repent. Mm -hmm. Repentance is also powerful. And that can invite relationship. I, I think you know, it start. Go ahead. Go ahead, George. I'm sorry. Hey, Jarrett. I work with an awful lot of uh, pastors. And in my opinion, the single greatest contributor to failure in ministry is isolation. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are surrounded by people. And yet they walk alone. And in every pastor that I've ever counseled, which is in the hundreds, I cannot think of a single case where there has been moral failure, where there has not been isolation, even from their own wives. These guys were the Lone Rangers. Again, just this whole thing of of image, you know, I have got to be what you expect me to be. And I, I just cannot think of a single case where there has not been isolation. There has not been that sense of community, overwhelming loneliness that ends up, we got to deal with the pain. So we're going to go into pornography. We're going to go into workaholism. We're going to go into pornography. Somehow, some way, we've got to deal with the pain of loneliness, but we deal with it in all of the wrong ways. And pastors are epidemic in that. Well, and to that point, you know, I I had to learn that I can, sometimes I have no choice but to be alone. I don't have to be lonely. Right. 
And that was not something I could really grasp until God convinced me he wanted to be my friend. And someone might hear that and think, oh, my word, you know, really? But yes, I don't make myself an equal to God, but I have the joy of knowing that he is my friend. And the Holy Spirit within gives us that assurance. And so when we're not able to connect with our wives or our kids or community or whatever it may be, let's be careful that we're not automatically saying, therefore, I am lonely or I am alone, because really, you, you really are not alone in Christ. But you do have to get very practical and realistic to say, but God did not make me to be that lone wolf, or he didn't make me to, to put on that mask. I have to go ahead and run the risk of being rejected by those who don't get me. And I may have to uh, go through that several times before I find the one, two, or three guys that are my tribe. It's interesting because I, I'm a pastor. I'm in a small church, and uh, it, it can be incredibly lonely and uh, very isolated. It's one of the reasons why I do this, and it's one of the reasons why we do the communities we have because I'm constantly – I just heard from a guy in Louisiana as I'm sitting here right now, sitting me constantly hearing from these guys. you got to have face-to-face, but you can find – your people. You can find people that will pour into you. I got a text from a pastor friend the other day. He just quit. I got a call about an hour and a half later from another pastor friend, and he's overwhelmed with trying to figure out, you know, the new people leave because they don't feel connected. And, and, and it's a weird world to work in a church. And I was telling some guys last night, like, not trying to be a martyr. It's just hard to explain until you actually get behind the curtain of all the things that happen there. And I think one of the key components that can help rectify that, especially from a pastoral position, is if we disciple people, because then you have a relationship, you can't force someone to be discipled. But if you do, like I'm meeting one of my guys today at five guys at 1130. So I, I look forward to the meal and get to, to see this guy. I think that's a component we've missed in our culture, the discipling mentoring part. And maybe that's why we also feel like, what have I done with my life? Because it's only become about me and I've never poured into someone else. David took guys who had no money, no friends, no nothing, and turned them into mighty warriors. Uh, it, it takes time and engagement. So how do we how do we start to see that? Where I'm not, it's not Tuesdays with Maury, but I'm 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 giving, but I can pour into someone as I try to get them closer to Jesus, and that would give me another relationship. That is awesome, Jared. That is such a great great thought. I'm thinking of a 22 year old guy that I'm mentoring right now. Um, he he was referred to me actually by his pastor because of his pornography issues. He's called into ministry. I and I and I believe it's genuine. There's a genuine call of God on his life. He wants to be a pastor. But there are issues in his life that have got to come under the control of the Holy Spirit. And he's also in Bible college. And he and I have gotten so incredibly close. I can say legitimately that I have learned to love him. And um, I just, he, he, he asked me, I was kind of shocked. He said, would you be my spiritual dad? And I just grabbed him, gave him a big old hug and said, man, I feel so honored. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I think that's, that's, that's the cool thing. When you enter into discipleship with someone, both are being sanctified further. Amen. You know, it's not about perfection, but it is about direction. 
And the discipling relationship is never just the two of you. The Holy Spirit is there to lead both. I mean, even in my counseling and coaching sessions, I can't begin to describe how many times if, if I'm being used to serve someone else, God is coaching me mm -hmm. about what's going on here. Sometimes I've had to stop and take a note, literally, for myself, so I wouldn't get distracted in the session. And when the client walks out the door, my session starts. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> that has happened like gazillions of times, but it is about joy and community. I mean, like, I remember back in the day when men would get into a room and, and somebody would say, okay, everybody count off. And we want all the ones in this corner and the twos in that corner. And so you go and you meet all of these numbers. It was very random. You know what? It felt random. And I have discovered that if I don't really have a connection with a guy, I'm probably not going to enjoy being with him or he with me. Mm -hmm. And so I know George likes to fish. You know, if anybody wants to fish and needs a friend, George is your guy. <laughs> so there has to be something more than just having a spiritualized only relationship. Yeah, I, I agree. I, oh, I'm sorry. It froze there for a second. No, you're fine. I mean, but we can over-psychologize our relationships. We can over-activate our relationships where we're just doing activities and not getting mm -hmm. connected. And mm -hmm. so if we're spirit, mind, body, living in relationship with each other, all four of these areas need to be a part of that relationship. And perhaps you're going to be strong in one of those four areas, and your guy is going to be stronger in another of those areas. And when you're weak, he can lead and so forth and so on. So I think that's how God has wired us. We cooperate with God and how he designed us. Life gets better. It is iron sharpening iron. Yeah. And I think that's a great, you know, that's a great verse. It's on a lot of men's ministry things. It's on men's Bible covers. We got the bookmarks, the t-shirts and all that stuff, but it hurts when iron sharpens iron. It hurts. If you know what iron sharpening iron is, and I think it sounds good. And for guys who've never had their iron sharpened, uh, it gives you a bravado and it makes you feel like, and then when it happens, you're like, man, this guy's a jerk. Man, he's judgmental. Uh, he thinks he's better than me. No. And, and I've told people, I owe this to you. Some of the best counsel I've received in my life has been times where someone just pulled me aside and said, here's what you think you're doing. Here's what you're actually doing. And I remember thinking, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. I've gone back to those individuals and said, thank you for the courage of saying that in the moment, I didn't want to hear it. I'm a better person because of it, maybe a better husband or whatever, <clears throat> because somebody had the courage to say what needed to be said, because we don't want to be 67 years down the road. And nobody ever told us you're kind of a jerk, you know, <laughs> or, uh, boy, you, uh, you steamroll conversations or what, it, what, I mean, you, you need people who are for you and who are with you, but they will not always tell you what you want to hear. So you're saying there are sparks when there's iron sharpening iron. Oh, I, I still remember walking to the park a lot when a guy said something to me once and I thought, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I've, I've reached out to him a number of times and said, you knew exactly what you were talking about. There is absolutely sparks and it hurts, but you're better for it. Amen. It makes you sharper. But you know, today, everyone is so afraid of offending somebody. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, I, I say this with some awareness that someone might misunderstand my intent, but the culture is feminizing men. Mm-hmm. You know, even when we're not buying into it, we're still being softened by the culture and the a warrior connotation is like some of that toxic masculinity, right? We're going to have to to really look to God on this and the scriptures and the history of Christendom and rethink where we are in 20, well, almost 23. So it's going to be important, I think, to, to let God define what that looks like. But yeah, when you're talking about iron sharpening iron, you are talking about something that's pretty manly. Yeah. You know, there's another aspect of this that I think would be important to bring up. Um, the importance of relationship for the safety of marriage. So there was a time when I was, uh, when I was pastoring, my office was in the home, which I've discovered does not work because I can't turn it off. And so my wife would come down, sweetheart, it's eight o'clock. I'm putting the kids to bed. Are you about done? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She comes down. It's 10 o'clock. I'm going to go to bed. Are you about done? And I'd always say the right thing. And um, one day I get a knock on the door. It's one of the accountability, one of my accountability partners, who's another pastor. He says, George, I got a phone call from your wife. You and I need to talk. And he just lined me out, man. He lined me out. She called one of the elders of our church. That good brother called me every week for a a year. How many hours are you working? Did you take your wife out? Because I was in community and my wife knew who that community was. And when I was not, when I was out of balance and was not responding to her the way that I needed to, she knew who to call. And that kept our marriage strong. So there's an aspect to this thing that's critically important for a healthy marriage. Praise be to God. Praise be to God that you were in godly community because there are men who would hear that story and say, my wife did call somebody and it wasn't good. And it was uh, an ex-boyfriend or it was a guy at work or whatever. But the fact that she knew you had some pillars in your life that she could lean on and say, do me a favor. And, and knowing that that individual would, and I think that's critical to your community, someone that strengthens your marriage, strengthens your walk. They're not bobbleheads. They're not always going to tell you what you want to hear, but they're going to tell you what what you you need to hear uh, because they owe it to you, because God has placed them in your life. Be a good steward of those relationships, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I also think, too, I mean, like to the credit of their marriage. There are men I know who say, man, if my wife called one of my friends, Ooh. you know, she's not in submission to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and so they pulled a submission card. I've also met some wives who have said, I couldn't do that. I have to protect his reputation. Exactly. And so I think there has to be an agreement between that man and woman. Look, I have these guys in my life. And if I'm not treating you well, or you see something in me and I'm not responding to you, you need to call them, call them. You, you know, you don't need my permission, but I am, I'm agreeing. This is our plan. This is our safety plan that if I am not walking right with you. I'm probably not walking right with God either. So call. 
I was not angry with Linda when she made the call, but I was ashamed mm -hmm. that my behavior was such that she was forced to make the call. She's a true helpmate though, right? And it is. Her job is to help you get to heaven. And and, mm -hmm. and 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 your job is to help her get to heaven. For the guy that would say, well, she's not being submissive, or boy, the wife that said that would ruin his reputation, you have built a sandcastle. And adding more sand to that sandcastle will not protect it. It, it that One wave will wipe that out. And so why not build some vulnerability, some transparency and community that what we have found like with tribe is these wives, when they get together, it's like they've known each other forever because these relationships have been cultivated with the guys. We know we're a mess. We have nothing left to hide. Why not just try to work on it today? Don't wait till your roof is leaking to get an assessment on your roof, get it done. You know, while you're, why you have time. So what would you tell the guy who says, this is good. Where do I start? I think um, the first place to start is to recognize that you actually need the help. I mean, if you find that, I, again, I'm going back to something that you said, Rob, you know, if, if I'm in a crisis, who do I call? I can't think of any person that I can call. Recognize where you are. Recognize where you are and begin the process, have a determination, get some help. And that help may start by finding just a good Christian counselor that can help you with the emotional aspects the, uh, to, to help you resolve why is it that I am afraid to open up? Why is it that I am determined to stay behind the wall that I built? Yeah, I, I know remembering George and I before the podcast here were talking about Dr. Mark Laser, who passed away a few years ago. I worked with him for a number of years, and he wrote Faithful and True and is known for his work with men addicted to pornography. He would say, plan in times of strength for times of weakness. Mm, good. So there is this surge and slip, surge and slip, surge and slip. When you're surging, you think, oh, I'm not going to slip. But that's exactly when you need to be planning for the times that you're going to be weak and we're more likely to slip. So go ahead and talk with your wife tonight about, I don't think I have that guy. Let's be praying and you help me. Mm -hmm. You know, you see someone and you think, you know what? I believe you could connect with him. My wife, Renee, has been so supportive in helping me an introvert. She's my extrovert, but she helps me kind of identify who might be, you know, enough like me that I can risk it. <laughs> and if your if your wife is for the relationship, what's the downside to that? I mean, she's she's Absolutely. obviously going to bless the the time together, the conversations, whatever. And uh, there's too much on the line not to. Yeah, and, and most of us men are hard to live with. Let's just oh. put that out there. <laughs> And so instead of expecting our wives to be our primary accountability partners, which I never, ever recommend. Right. Right. You know, I say, look, right. you're the only wife. I can go find other guys, but you're it. I'm not going to make you my garbage collector. So let me go find some guys who will help take the garbage out of my life. But if I'm not taking garbage out in relationship with you or our kids, give them a call. We shake shake the dust off our feet, the dust of the day before we get in the house. We just 
where I'm good at blowing all the dust on everybody when I get in there and my day's terrible. Now your day is going to be terrible, you know, and that's, there's, there's nothing good comes from that. Hey guys, how do we get in touch with you? Any resources anywhere we want to send these men? You know, um, focus on the family has a toll free number. They can go ahead and call 855-771-4357. They can ask to speak with Rob or they can ask to speak with me, either one. But we've got a great staff of qualified Christian therapists who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're there from 6 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night, Mountain Standard Time, Monday through Friday. Call us and let's start the process there. You can also go online to focusonthefamily.com, and there are a number of resources, broadcasts, podcasts, articles, more than enough information. But just remember, information is not necessarily transformation. Right. And what we're talking about today is transformation that involves connecting with other people. Amen. I've done at this point, about 350 podcasts. I've never had anyone lead with a phone number of where to go, but I think that shows the ministry that you're, you guys are a part of that you say, Hey, give us a call. You know, we, we, we can, we can download PDFs. We can buy books. We can do all these things. You can listen to this, you know, 10 times over, but until you get in a conversation with someone and allow them to speak, hear you, but speak truth to you, I don't think anything changes. So. And you know, Jared, here's the thing. If the guys call, they're going to be talking to real men yeah. who have been broken, who are in recovery, who are, we can relate, we can connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let me mention this. So many times it's the wife calling when her man is in trouble. And so it puts a parent-child dynamic into that relationship. You know, wife is now mama yeah. and husband is now boy. Yeah, And so men, you know, don't do that. <laughs> Go ahead and in the most positive sense of the word, man up and call us or somebody and don't wait until your wife is just desperate. You know, if I never hear another wife crying on the phone, it'll be okay. Uh, between George and I, we have heard a bunch, you know, so yeah, reach out. Here's the reality. They know we're not as awesome as we're trying to project. They're, they're well aware of all of our shortcomings and how we can't hit the hamper. And we're just, you know, why not just be the, the moments in my marriage with my parenting when I've apologized or been transparent uh, are priceless. And they'll typically show you a lot of grace if, if you're humble. Man, I appreciate you guys being on here. I got a couple more things I want to talk about. Some of the signs of loneliness and, and, and some of the consequences of that. But we will... Uh, We'll continue that conversation with the herd. Thank you, men, for listening to or watching the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. If you're looking for any of the links mentioned in today's podcast episode, make sure you check out the show notes. You will find them there. If you will, leave a five-star review on iTunes. That just continues to help get the word out about the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Men, if you are in the herd, we are going to continue our conversation over there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.